How's everybody doing today? Awesome. How many are glad to be here? Now yeah, some of you. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't too bad. Could have been better. How many are glad to be here? Uh, sounds better on the video. <laughs> what can I say? That's no, awesome. Glad everybody's here today, especially those of you who are visiting. Um, we got two very special uh, visitors with us today, two of our favorite, Lucy and I's favorite people, uh, Michelle and Steve, uh, right over here, Nash. I won't make you stand up or wave or do anything, but they're right there. Um, but uh, Michelle was uh, my children's pastor for five years uh, up at the, the Journey uh, before I came here, and um, I had the privilege of doing their wedding uh, in December of 17 uh, up in Delaware on a nice uh, snowy, uh, blizzardy kind of a day, but it was a beautiful wedding. But um, they live in Charlotte, and um, were able to come up today to see us and to be with us, and God's been doing some really cool things in their life, and so I'm just w- really excited to go to lunch with you guys and to hear about all that God is doing. It's going to be awesome. Uh, as far as a prayer need uh, goes today, we, want, we need to pray for Dan and Verna. Um, Dan is usually out doing coffee, um, but his wife, Verna, had to go to the emergency room yesterday, and they transferred her to the hospital. So the hope is she'll go home today. Uh, Jen, have you heard any updates? I've not got an update this morning. Okay. So um, uh, anyway, just pray for Verna. Uh, She was not excited at all about being transferred to the hospital. So just, but she's doing fine. They're just trying to get her meds adjusted and to get everything uh, with that. So just pray for Verna. She needs that. I think that's the only ones that I can that I can think of. So, so just remember those in your prayer, and we'll pray about that at the, at the end. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, we've been in a great series. At least I've I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's a series, a summer long series, actually running all through June, July, and through the month of August. And what we're doing is in this series is trying to make sure that we can do all we can to avoid that summertime spiritual slump that sometimes we can all uh, find ourselves in, in all kinds of different ways. But we find ourselves right there. And so we want to do all we can to avoid that. Now, we've divided this series up into three parts, and we're ending the first part today. Part one has just been called Depend. And we've talked about how we we can depend on Jesus to save us, to sustain us, to strengthen us, and to, as we are going to see today, that he can shepherd us. We can depend on him to be that good shepherd. So as we get started today, let, let's just pray together. Father, I thank you so much for all you do. I thank you for this time. I thank you for all you're doing in this place, God. It's just been so amazing to be here. Now, Father, I, I pray this morning that you just open our hearts and minds Just help us to be receptive, God, to what you have for us. Sometimes we come with all kinds of different reasons and all kinds of different things on our hearts and minds, and sometimes it's really easy just to let the distraction of life kind of overshadow your word. So today, God, just right now, allow us to just put that out so that the only thing we think about 
is what you have for us, what you want to feed us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's dive in. Got a lot to cover today. So kind of just reach down and hang on and, and we're going to go through this. You know, of all the images of Jesus in the Bible, I think the one that, that really is kind of one of the most powerful, one of the most beautiful is just that image of Jesus as our shepherd. He's our good shepherd. Unfortunately, though, we live in a society where tending sheep is not an ordinary occupation. Has anybody ever been a shepherd in here? Anybody, anybody know a shepherd? Anybody know? Uh, I went to school with a person, their last name was Shepherd, but that's different. Okay, but none, none of us know a shepherd, huh? Okay, and, and that's kind of... That's kind of typical, okay? In fact, probably a lot of us aren't really familiar with the life of what a shepherd really does. Now, I heard this story, and I've already apologized to a few people, but I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But I heard this story, and I really liked it. It kind of fits right here. It's the story of a shepherd who was out. He was looking over his, his sheep. He was tending his sheep. He had literally over a 1,000 sheep out scattered over the pasture, and he was out tending his sheep when all of a sudden down this kind of deserted dirt road, this car starts just flying down the road. I mean, dust is going everywhere, and it stopped right in front of where the shepherd was by the gate that went into the field. And uh, as the dust kind of settled out of this brand new SUV, this guy gets out. He says, he says you know, I've always been interested in sheep, Didn't know it, but I don't know anything about them. He says, I'll tell you what, if I can tell you how many sheep you have out there right now, just grazing, will you give me one? The shepherd thought for a moment, he said, there's no way he's going to be able to guess how many sheep I've got out there. So he said, I'll tell you what, if you can do it within the next 10 minutes, I'll give you one. So the guy opens his car up, opens the trunk up, gets out this computer, opens the computer up, gets on this impressive-looking program. He starts putting in all this data. He begins to hook up to this GPS. He scans the countryside. And in about 10 minutes after making all these calculations, he simply comes back and says, you've got 1,580 sheep out there. The old shepherd, man, he was astonished. He goes, you've got to be kidding me. How would you know that? He said, I just do. He said, well, you're right. He says, go ahead, go on in, grab one. So the guy went in, grabbed an animal, brought it out, put it in the back of his SUV. But before he could get away, the old farmer or the old shepherd said, tell you what, will you give me an opportunity to win my animal back? The guy thought, well, that's only fair. He said, I'll tell you what, if I can tell you what your job is, can I have my animal back? And the guy goes, yeah, I'll, that's, that's pretty fair. So the old farmer looks at him and says, you have your own business, and you're an independent IT consultant. And the guy goes, man, that's pretty impressive. How did you know what I did? It's not on my car. How did you know that? He said, for three reasons. He says, for one, he says, you showed up without being called. He says, for two, you charged me a, f a fee for telling me something that I already knew. And he said, thirdly, because you know nothing about my business. Now give me my dog back. I already apologized to our IT guys, okay, before I did it. So, now, now, even though we may not know 
anything about sheep. Let me tell you, when Jesus talked about shepherds and when he talked about sheep, everybody, everybody should have understood it because it was just a common part of the culture. Let me give you one thing real quickly that is very distinctive characteristic of a shepherd as we begin today. It's this, a shepherd takes full responsibility for the life of his sheep because the sheep can't survive without their shepherd. You see, sheep aren't the brightest animals on the planet. I don't know if you knew that or not, but they're not. They are definitely a few fries short of a happy meal, so to speak. They tend to get lost, and when they do, they usually die. They are creatures of habit that will follow a path to a desolate place, a, a desolate place, ignoring great pasture that's on either side of them. If a sheep accidentally rose on its back, it will stay there and stay that way until a shepherd comes along and rolls it back over. Sheep are also defenseless and have no way of protecting themselves. They can't find water to drink like a deer. They can't kill game like a lion. They can't defend themselves against predators. They can't run fast. They don't have claws or sharp teeth. They can't dig a hole. They can't climb a tree. They can't swim across the river. They have lousy sense of direction. They get disoriented. They are easily frightened, and they, have, they are mob creatures. So if one dumb sheep walks into an open fire or off a cliff, the rest will go, Hey, man, that looks like fun. Let's go follow Harry. You know, I mean, that's just how, that's how sheep are. Now, can you begin to see why Jesus uses us as sheep and him as the shepherd? Can you see, begin to see that sheep and shepherd relationship? Because it describes who we are and who he is. And maybe that's why the Bible says in Isaiah 53, all of us are like sheep. We've gone astray which is why we need a good shepherd because he will lead us and he'll guide us and he'll protect us and he will correct us and he will provide for us. And I don't know about you, but I need that, right? I need that because I'm easily distracted and I can easily be wrapped up in myself instead of what he wants for me. Now, as we move into this passage that we're going to look at today. It's in John chapter 10. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up to John chapter 10. We'll be starting in verse 1. And we'll be covering verse through about verse 16 or so. But, but as we move into this chapter, there's something that you need to know about chapter 10. Now, you may want to write this down because I thought it was pretty profound. So I don't know if you've got a pencil or whatever, but you may want to write this down because it's pretty good. Here it is. It follows and is connected to chapter 9. <laughs> That's pretty profound, right? It's chapter 10. I don't know if you know that, but it, it's connected to and it, it follows chapter 9. Now, I say that because of this. It follows in a natural progression. In fact, there should not be a chapter heading there. It should, chapter 9 should just continue on with the flow because what happened in chapter 9 continues into chapter 10. It's the, same, it's the same day that Jesus has been in the temple in Jerusalem. It's the day after the Feast of Tabernacle where Jesus had healed a man who was born blind uh, from birth. And the Pharisees, when they found out what Jesus had done, man, they were hacked. 
They were hacked. And they refused to believe this guy's story, that Jesus had been the one that had healed him. And so they began to question him. They even questioned his parents. But even after all the questioning, they were still trying to come up with their own reasons, their own explanations for what had just happened. And when the man insisted that Jesus had been the one who had healed him because he was the one God used when he had prayed for healing. They kicked this guy out of the synagogue and they kicked him basically out of Judaism. So John 9.35 tells us that Jesus hears about what they had done and he finds this guy he had healed. And when he finds him, Jesus reveals himself to him. He reveals who he is to this guy and the guy believes. He believes. And so immediately after this, at the beginning of chapter 10, Jesus is going to be telling the crowd who were listening, these Jewish people and the Pharisees who were giving him the evil eye, as well as the man who had been healed, he's going to be telling them what had spiritually happened to this guy. You see, he may have been kicked out of the fold of Judaism, but because of his belief, in who Jesus really was. He was now a sheep in the fold of the good shepherd. And that's what we're going to discover. So here's what I want us to do today. We haven't done this in a while. I just want us to stand together. And I want us just to read this first section of John chapter 10, starting in verse 1 through about verse 6. Stand if you would with me. We're going to read this together as the body. Let's begin. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the person who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The one who guards the door opens it for him and the sheep listen to the voice of the shepherd. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings all his sheep out, he goes ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they don't know his voice. Jesus told the people this story, but they did not understand what it meant. May God add his blessing on the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, there's probably several different things. In fact, there's quite a few different directions that I could have went with this passage. But I I want our focus today simply to be on this, Jesus, our good shepherd. And I want us to see what that relationship is like, especially because of what had just happened in this passage. And so there's two amazing things that stick out to me as we go through this, that stick out to me about who our shepherd is. And the first is this. Our shepherd knows each of his sheep intimately. I want you to think about that for a moment. Our shepherd knows each of his sheep intimately. Now, did you catch what it said just a moment ago as we read? He said, he calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. Jesus knows us 
intimately. Let me tell you, no one knows you and no one knows me the way Jesus does. Nobody. Let me tell you, years ago, I don't know, some of you will remember this, but a lot of you may not. But years ago, there was a TV show on called The Newlywed Game. Anybody ever remember that or see it on, you know, through uh, whatever? Newlywed Game was interesting. They had these a uh, lot of these newlywed couples that would come on, and basically the format was this. They would have the wives stay out first. They would be asked questions, and they would have to answer the, the way they thought the husband would answer. Then they would switch, and then the, you know, the husbands would have to answer the way the, the wives would, they think the wives would answer. And what you would almost always discover was this, how little they actually knew about each other. I mean, that's really what you would notice, just how little they really knew about each other. Here's the thing. Regardless of how long you have been married, regardless of how well we think we know each other, the reality is we really don't. In fact, if I was honest, I would have to say that I don't even know myself like I think I do. But the cool thing is this. The good shepherd does. The good shepherd does. In fact, he knows you better than anyone else, even better than you know yourself because he created you. And because of that, he knows you from the inside out. Our shepherd knows us intimately. Now, let me tell you, as we think about that phrase intimately, that intimacy that's involved in that relationship that we have with our shepherd, the best biblical word to describe that is that word, no. Is first used in the context of relationships in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. This verse in the King James simply says that Adam knew his wife. And the Hebrew word for know here is that word yada, Y-A-D-A, yada. The definition of yada is simply this, it's to know and it's to be completely known. Now the NIV translates the word a little different because it puts it in the context what's happening. So your Bible may say, Adam lay with his wife, Eve. That's the context for yada. It is this intimate connecting on every level. It's knowing and it's being known. And it's a beautiful picture of what intimacy is really all about. You see, when we first read about the sacredness of sexual intimacy, it's actually more about intimacy than it is about physical pleasure. In fact, it led one Hebrew scholar to call it a mingling of the soul. It's a mingling of the souls. Now, if you trace the usage of this word no, this word yada, throughout the Old Testament, you'll find that over and over again, this is the same word that's used to describe God's relationship with us. To describe how God knows us and how he wants to be known by us. In fact, listen to what David wrote in Psalm 139, verses 1 to 6. He writes, Lord, you've examined me and you know all about me. That's that intimate relationship. You know when I sit down and when I get up. You know my thoughts before I think them. You know where I go and where I lie down. You know everything I do. Lord, even before I say a word, you already know it. You are all around me, in front and in back, and have put your hand on me. Your knowledge is amazing to me. It is more than I can understand. Wow. David's basically saying this, God, 
You know everything about me. You know how I feel, you know how I hurt, what I've done, what I've said, what I'm thinking. And the amazing thing is, even after knowing all of that, God, you still love me. Now, I want that to sink in for a moment. Just let that sink into your mind. That even after God knows us that intimately, he still loves us and cares for us. And as strange as this may sound to you or to some of you, when you honestly understand that God knows you that intimately, it will completely change, or at least it should, your relationship with him and his son, the good shepherd. Which is why this second thing that sticks out to me in some ways is even more amazing. Because the second thing is this, not only does our shepherd know us intimately, but get this, he also wants you to know him in the same way. Wow. How awesome is that? He wants you to know him in the same way. Now, did you catch what it said back in verse 4? Back in verse 4 where it said, and they will follow him because they know his voice. They will follow him because they know his voice. Here's the thing that we have to understand. Your relationship with Jesus, it is not a weekend fling, okay? It's not a weekend fling. It is not a casual encounter. Your relationship with Jesus is a, Jesus is a yada moment. It is a deep knowing and being known. Look at what Jesus said in verses 14 and 15 of chapter 10. Look on down in your, in your Bibles. Because he goes on there and he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Did you catch that? I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And look at this phrase. And my sheep know me. They know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. While it's crazy to think that our good shepherd knows us that deeply and that intimately, it's even crazier to think that he invites us to know him back. I mean, how awesome is that? But here's the problem a lot of us have. Many of us have a hard time dealing with that kind of intimacy. In fact, we do, we do pretty well at avoiding it a lot of times. And that's why it's not surprising that one of the most common responses to intimacy is fear. And it's hard enough in our everyday relationships. But let me tell you, it is really scary sometimes when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Because when fear enters the picture, we become afraid that he's going to find out some stuff that we've tried or we've hide, we've hidden in our life. Stuff that we know he doesn't like. And that's scary to know he knows us well enough that he already knows that kind of stuff. But again, even though he, even though he knows it, he still loves us. He still loves us. And he still wants his soul to mingle with, ours, with our soul. And so here's what he does. He offers an invitation to you and me. He opens up his heart, and this is what he says. I want you to know me more closely and more intimately than you know anyone else. And when you do, you will always be able to recognize my voice. 
from among all the other voices that are out there calling for your time and your attention. And when you hear my voice, and when you recognize my voice, your fear will slowly begin to melt into peace. How awesome is that? And it's because of that knowing. Not only does he know us intimately, but we have the opportunity to know him that way as well. Let me tell you, when you honestly know your shepherd, you will know his voice. Here's what, here's what I mean by that. 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, and especially in Israel, there were two types of sheepfolds or sheep pens. There was one in the village, and then there was one out on the countryside. In the village enclosure, several shepherds would come together and they would house their sheep in a communal pen. Every night, they would bring them in and each shepherd would inspect his sheep as they went through the gate. He would be standing there and he would inspect the sheep, looking for sickness, looking for disease. Why? Because they were going to be spending time with all the other sheep. And so they would, they would check them out. Then once in, the gate would be closed. The shepherd would go home to sleep and a portal or gatekeeper who knew sheep would be stationed there to guard and watch over the sheep to protect them from the thieves who would climb in to steal the sheep. The next morning, the shepherds would return, and as the gatekeeper would recognize each shepherd, he would let them in one by one, and he would enter the pen, and as he entered the pen, he would call out to his sheep. It would be like this. Let's just say this was a sheep pen. This was the village enclosure. And my sheep would be in there, and Garen's sheep would be in there, Dallas's sheep would be in there, and Daryl's sheep would be in there, and Steve's sheep would be in there. Our sheep would be in, in here in this pen, and as the shepherd would come back the next morning, and as the gatekeeper would recognize us, he would send us in, and, and then we would make that call out to our sheep. It could be a distinctive noise or voice that we make. It could be a tone that we make. It could have been the actual name that we use for our sheep, but we would call that out and none of the other sheep would respond. They would kind of cower together. But my sheep would know my voice and they would come out and they would come running to me, the shepherd, and I would lead them out of the enclosure out into the countryside where they would begin to graze. Now let me ask you, why would they follow me and not another shepherd? They would follow me because they knew my voice. They knew my voice. True story. It happened years ago in Australia. A man was accused of stealing sheep. All along, he kept saying, I haven't stolen anybody's sheep. Those were my sheep. Well, they were brought in to court, the, the man who was accused and, and the man who accused him of stealing sheep. They were brought into court before a judge and they, they made all their case before the judge, but the judge couldn't come to a decision. So he did something that was pretty unique. He had five of the sheep that were stolen brought into the, into the courtroom. 
He sent the accuser out into the hallway and the accused out into the hallway. And he started with the accuser. He said, if these are your sheep that you say were stolen, I want you to call out to them. And so he did. He began to call out to the sheep, but the sheep did not move. In fact, they cowered together and kind of butted their heads together and just kind of cowered. Next, he asked the accused to call out to the sheep. And when he did, the sheep came running to him. This, is what, this was the judge's ruling. The sheep know the voice of their master. The sheep know the voice of their master. So there's two questions we need to answer. One is this. Do I know the voice of my master? Do I know his voice? When he calls, do I know his voice? Can I hear his voice? Do I know him? And the second question is this. How can I know the voice of my shepherd that intimately so that I can recognize him? Well, in this passage, I believe that Jesus gives them some help with that. I believe he gives us some insights into how we can know him that intimately. I just want to mention a few before we close today. The first is this. Our shepherd has provided a way for us to get to know him. Our shepherd has provided a way for us to get to know him. In verses 7 through 9, look at your Bibles, look at your scriptures. In in verses 7 through 9, look what it says. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the door for the sheep. All people who came before me were thieves and robbers. The sheep did not listen to them. I am the door, and the person who enters through me will be saved and will be able to come in and and go out and find pasture. As the shepherd would take his sheep out of that sheep enclosure in the village and they would go out into the countryside, a lot of times they wouldn't necessarily come back that same night. A lot of times they would stay in one of the sheep pens out in the countryside that they would have. And they were different from the village enclosure. The village enclosure, the the pen would be very high walls and it would have a door on them that they would enter in and out of. That's the village enclosure. But once they got out into the countryside, the pen was a little different. The walls would be just made out of rocks and stones, and they would be very short with maybe some wood that's laid on top, but there would not be a door. And so at night, the shepherd would lead the sheep into that pen, and because there wasn't a door, the shepherd would lay down in the opening. The shepherd would become the door to the pen. And the sheep could not go out unless they went over the shepherd or through him. The wolves could not come in unless they came in through the shepherd. You see, the shepherd became the door. And so what Jesus is telling us here in John 10 is basically this. He is saying, if you really want to know me, here's where you begin. You come through the door. And I am that door. If you believe in me, if you come through me, if you trust me to be the only path through the Father, I promise you two things. First of all, you will be saved, saved from those thieves 
And you know who the thieves are he's referring to here? Again, it goes back into chapter 9. These thieves are the Pharisees. That's who he's talking about. He's talking about the Pharisees who had kicked this guy out of, of the Judaism fold and Jesus brought him into his fold. He says, I'll protect you. You'll be saved from those thieves, those Pharisees who would try to steal you away, but you will also be saved for eternity. And secondly, he says, you'll be able to go in and out where you'll experience this next thing, this next amazing thing. And it's found in verse 10. You know what it is? It's the fullness of life. The fullness of life. In verse 10, it says, a thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came to give life, life in all its fullness. You see, the idea of a full life or abundant life is not in any sense materialistic or a promise for an easy life. The fullness is in reference with the life itself. It is the quality of life brought about by living in a personal, intimate, loving relationship with our Savior Shepherd. It is a life filled with the fullness of His grace and mercy and loving kindness. It is a life with the fullness of eternal purpose and meaning. It is a life filled with love and joy and peace, regardless of the circumstances that we're going through in life. That's the fullness of life. And here's the reason we can experience full life. It's because of this next thing, which is found in verse 11. He willingly gave his life for his sheep. He willingly gave his life for his sheep. Look what it says in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. You see, we have fullness of life because he gave away his. You see, we have full life because he gave his away. And it was willingly gave it away. He wasn't coerced. He wasn't prodded and poked. He wasn't guilted into giving his life away. He willingly gave his life away for his sheep who were us. Which leads to this. He will always go before us, leading and showing us the way. Just as a good shepherd does. He will always go before us, leading and showing us the way. Back in verse 4, Jesus said these words. He says, when you bring, when he brings all his sheep out, he goes ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. <coughs> Excuse me. What an amazing, amazing passage. As you think about shepherds, Western shepherds tend to drive their sheep, while Eastern shepherds lead their sheep. Now, why does that make a difference? Well, when you drive the sheep, you're behind them, pushing them, driving them ahead, and you keep them in line by using sheepdogs. But when you lead them, you're going before them, showing them the way. In fact, Eastern shepherds will tell you that two things happen when you lead them. First of all, the sheep learn to trust the shepherd, the one who leads. And second of all, the sheep are more at ease because they have this instinct that tells them that their shepherd knows where he's going. In fact, maybe that's why David, as he was referring to himself as sheep in Psalm 23, said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. 
besides still waters. You see, the underlying truth here is this. Sheep need to be led. Sheep need to be led. They need their shepherd. In fact, sheep without a shepherd are referred to as confused, helpless, lost, or dead. That's what they're referred to. Matthew 9.36, in that passage, we read these words. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without what? A shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. You see, we have to be led. We can't do it on our own. And if you're trying to do it on your own, you're going to be confused and you're going to be helpless and you may even be lost. We need our shepherd to lead us. One last thing before we close. As I said in the beginning, this section of scripture is an extension of what happened in chapter 9. And Jesus is speaking directly to the Pharisees. And he's speaking directly to the Jewish crowd. And he's telling them that just like that healed man, they too can come into the good shepherd's fold. Where they will be saved and protected from these thieves, these Pharisees, who want to enter by a different way. And so for the Jews who were there, This was great news. But I thought about this. What about us? I mean, what about the Gentiles of the world? Because he's talking directly to a Jewish crowd. So what about the rest of us? Was he only going to be the good shepherd to the Jews? Well, Jesus says something in verse 16 that I believe had to boil the potatoes of those Pharisees, man. It just had to hack them off. But it was great news for the rest of us. Look what he says in verse 16. I have other sheep that are not in this flock. And I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and they will be one flock and one shepherd. You see, the Gentiles were always included in the blessing of Abraham. But it wasn't long before that was eliminated from the mind of the average Jewish person and especially the religious leaders because they considered themselves superior to everyone else. But the blessing was still to be shared with all people through the good shepherd, Jesus. And he accomplished that through his death on the cross. When he died, he brought both together. He allowed for all of us to be able to come into that relationship. It allowed all of us to be brought into the communal pen where we all were over one shepherd, Jesus. Let's reflect. I love Psalm 100 verse 3 where it says, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Many years ago, there was a famous actor who was the guest of honor at a social gathering, and they were reciting just famous passages of literary works. In the crowd that day was a retired older preacher who was there mainly just to listen. During one of the breaks, he went up to that actor and he simply said, sir, would you mind reciting Psalm 23 for the crowd? The actor said, I tell you what, I will if you will. 
So the preacher agreed, and so the actor stood up first, and he began to recite this amazing psalm, and he did it in a way that you would expect an actor to do. His voice rose and fell, and he had all the dramatic pauses, and when he was done, everybody applauded. And then very quietly, the old preacher got up. He began to speak. His voice was cracking with the years. He didn't have the same kind of eloquence as he spoke, but he spoke as if it was a prayer that came from the depths of his heart. When he was done, there was no applause. There was just silence and tears. When it was all over, someone, a couple were talking and someone just simply said, what was the difference between those two guys? between that actor and that preacher. And they thought a minute, and the one guy said, the difference was this. The actor knew the psalm, but the preacher knew the shepherd. The preacher knew the shepherd. It's been said, it's been said that the Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. So the question is, do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know his voice when he calls? Or do you cower and huddle because you don't recognize his voice? You see, today you have an opportunity to know the good shepherd, to know the one who willingly gave his life for his sheep. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you need in your life. But if you're struggling, just know you have a shepherd that you can depend on. But you got to come through the door, and that's him. He's the door. That's the only way you can enter the pen. I mean, in week one, Jesus used the same phrasing, just a little different when he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Same thing. So where are you at today? 